Okay, welcome back to Talking Knicks. I'm Tom Piccolo, recording this on Sunday evening, just moments after the Knicks beat the Pacers in Indiana, 109 to 106. Uh, that was good for the team's seventh straight win. It's the longest win streak currently in the NBA. Uh, this was a game that saw the Knicks down by six with less than two minutes left, and you could kind of feel the win with the win streak coming to an end. But uh, then Jalen Brunson came along and did some Jalen Brunson stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about that game and the back-to-back sweep in Chicago. So let's do it. Let's talk Knicks. All right, let's get right into it. I'm joined by Kenny and Greg Poon. Uh, guys, the, the, Knicks, the Knicks are now four games over 500. They are tied for fifth in the East. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Doing- Always happy when the Knicks win. I was so I was traveling back to New York during most of this game, and so I got back to my apartment when they were losing by three at some point in the fourth quarter. And I like elected not to turn the game on because I just didn't want to watch the Knicks lose. So I just was mentally prepared for a loss, and I was happily uh, really saved my mood. Yeah, want. I think I think that's the normal uh, kind of Knicks mentality is like you assume a loss and then you're pleasantly surprised if if they win. Uh, but not lately. Lately they've been getting the big W's and I I watched uh, watched this W. So that was that was exciting. And I think I had the kind of opposite experience as you guys where like they were down six pretty late and I was like I think they might still win this because like I think I think they had been playing pretty well and. Um, it got sloppy for a, a little bit, and you know, I, I was just like, they just need to hit a few shots, and I think they got this, and they did. They did got this. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I was on kind of daddy duty the most of the time for this game. I was watching my son, and so I I'll have to go back and rewatch a lot of this one. But I did catch crunch time, and so I think we could probably just talk about crunch time, not only because that's what I saw, but it, it decided the game ultimately. Um, I mean, I mentioned that the Knicks went down six with just under two minutes left. Um, Miles Turner had just missed like four free throws in a row. Um, and then there was a, a jump ball on the, on the fourth missed free throw. Uh, the Knicks were not able to secure that rebound. And so it was a jump ball between Quentin, Quentin Grimes and was it Neesmith? Yep. And the Pacers ended up winning that that tap. Um it was uh, Miles Turner actually saved the ball from going out of bounds. The ball made its way to Buddy Heald, who hit a tough step back three that I really didn't think had any shot when it left his fingertips. But it went down, and and my stomach kind of dropped at that point. Like, oh, this might not be our night. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I, I never hit that point. And I think there was still like a decent amount of time left. But you know, to your point, um, I don't know if it was if it was right after that that did Jalen Brunson come back and immediately hit a three. It wasn't okay. directly after that. So so Brunson came down and missed a, a fadeaway, and then Julius Randle got the offensive board and just tried to muscle it up, and um and was unsuccessful, and he kind of was like stayed back and was complaining to the refs because he thought he got hit. And the Pacers just ran out and got a Neesmith dunk um, mm. in transition, wide open, really, really rough, um, you know, transition defense there. And that was, I mean, that's when they were down 104-98 with 156 left. And I was I was pretty sure that it was that we were kind of done at that point. Um, but that's when Jalen Brunson came down and hit that pull-up three, which was just 
I mean, I know people say it all the time, but like whenever the Knicks need a big basket, it's, it's Brunson. He's the guy who's hitting the big shots, who's stopping opponents runs and who's just like getting the Knicks back in rhythm. It's, it's really incredible and like uncanny that he's able to do this time and again. Yeah. And it's been just so like different from, uh, from years past where it seems like down the stretch, the Knicks weren't really sure what to do. I mean, I think two years ago it was just give it to Julius Randle and he just made every shot that season. But last year, like, there was no clear idea of what they were doing uh, if they needed a bucket at any point in the game, not even just in the fourth quarter. If they if there was something happening and they needed a bucket to stop the bleeding, they didn't know what to do. Uh, they ran a lot of ISO unsuccessfully last season. And so, like, this year having Jalen Brunson in that role and, like, it's it, it's like you said, whenever the Knicks need a big bucket, it seems like he can manufacture one on his own, which is something that the Knicks just haven't had in a, in a while. Yeah, and, like uh... – even at the beginning of this week, the Knicks were kind of going back to that that bully ball situation with Julius Randle going ISO all throughout the fourth quarter against the Bulls, the first game where they won in overtime eventually, where you saw the the offense stagnate and you know Randle was hot for like five games in a row. So they started going back to him being the guy, and Brunson had a little bit of a a tough stretch. So you know there was a couple games in there when it kind of switched back to being Randle being the guy in the fourth, but you know, you always felt much more comfortable with when Brunson has the ball in his hands. He's been, you know, had some uncharacteristic turnovers lately and hasn't really been the the go-to guy down the stretch in the last couple of games, but, you know, he should be. Now that he showed why. Yeah, Greg, we'll definitely talk more about that, uh, the that Chicago kind of overtime crunch time win. I know there was a lot of consternation among Knicks fans, kind of how overtime – finished up there. So we'll, we'll definitely get back into that. Um, but just, just wrapping up on this, on this Pacers game, just cause it's top of mind. Like, you know, Br- Brunson wasn't done after he hit that, that step back three and cut the lead. He made a one possession game. Um, he then got a steal on the other end and went in for a layup, cut it, cut it to one in, in the span of like 30 seconds. It was, it was really, I mean, we needed both those buckets so bad. And uh, you know, Brunson on, on defense, I know early in the season, like, I think fans and, and, you know, analysts were fairly critical of Brunson on the defensive end. He is smaller and he has a hard time guarding in transition, but lately he has been so good in the passing lanes. He's been stealing those, you know, those kickouts to the corner with a, with like regularly. And um, he got that big steal in, in a huge moment in this game. So, you know, credit to him. He was doing it on both ends of the floor and we, we needed every, every single play from him tonight. Yeah, I think, and I think in the last two games in particular, he's been ridiculous in the passing lane. I think this game he had two two steals, same way, like in the passing lane, just getting in there and, and getting in. The, the second one was, like you said, huge to cut it to a one point game with about a minute left. Yeah, and and the way the Knicks ended up getting the lead was kind of unorthodox, I'd say. Like there was a, so the Knicks ended up getting a uh, a stop. After that, Miles um, Turner shot a three. It was a, it was a fairly open three, but he missed it. And, you know, he missed a lot of shots <laughs> down the stretch. Um, and so, we, you know, that was, a, that was a good defensive possession overall. Julius Randle got the rebound, and the Knicks called timeout to try. You know, this is less than a minute left. Down one, you're going to try and run your best play to, to get a bucket here. And Julius Randle was cutting towards the basket and just got fouled off ball. Um, the, the Pacers challenged it. But it was pretty clear that that the the Pacers rookie is I think it was Nempard 
was like yanking Julius Randall's arm down. And so the refs had no choice, but to call this foul and Randall stepped up and hit both free throws. And that was kind of, I think he Randall made a bunch of free throws down the, you know, in crunch time of this one, I think he hit six straight free throws to ice this game. But after the Knicks went up that by that one point, they never relinqu- relinquished the lead after that. Um, it was just kind of like a free throw shooting contest from there on out. Yeah, I think I think it might have been all free throws from the Knicks from there on out. And I think we joked about uh, that play because uh, the Pacers ended up challenging that play and it was just so clearly a foul. And I think you and I said, well, if, it's, it's use it or lose it at that point. But then it turned out that the Pacers really could have used a timeout at the end of the game. So apparently, you know, if, even if it's use it or lose it, maybe you don't don't need to use it because uh, they, they ended up wasting a timeout on a very clear foul. Yeah, and, and right after Randall hit those first two free throws, uh, the Pacers came down and had a really bad turnover. Buddy Heald like, jumped in the air with nowhere to go. And Quentin, Quentin Grimes was just there. It wasn't like a spectacular play from him, but he literally just threw him the ball. And then Grimes kind of, he got a little shook there, honestly. Like he didn't, he wasn't sure what to do. He had an opportunity to kind of dribble up the middle of the floor. And he, he didn't do that. He hesitated. He kind of slowly dribbled to the, the corner. He got over the half court line, picked up his dribble, got, got double teamed and lost the ball. Um, and, and so the Pacers got it back. And again, there was just like a lot of nerves there for, from on my end because um, it, it just gave another opportunity for the Pacers. But the, the Knicks defense has been really, really strong. Um, I think they they forced a, a step back three from Halliburton, which, man, it is, I know we've always talked about Halliburton's shot, particularly off the dribble. That thing looks so blockable. Like it doesn't even look like he's shooting it. And he hit a couple in this game for sure. But uh, this one... Never, yeah, this one did not go in. Knicks got the rebound, and that's when it was kind of a, a free throw shooting contest from there on out. Uh, and Julius Randall iced it. So, I don't know, guys. Uh, I mean, overall, what, how are you guys feeling? Like, is it uh, is it like the defense that's propelling these wins? Do you think is it is it anyone in particular? Or is it just like team basketball? Well, I think the Knicks just kind of have a bunch of really solid players. I mean, we've talked about in the past where, you know, the Knicks just have too many, like, very okay players, you know, to the point where they had Cam Reddish not in the rotation last year when they weren't even good. But now, you know, you add Jalen Brunson to that mix and you have Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett stepping up more. And then you have all the all the subs just doing their jobs and the, the complimentary players. We, we talk a lot about Quentin Grimes, but about how he just fits so perfectly into the team. And Mitchell Robinson as filling out the, the starting five. That's just a very, very solid starting five. And uh, with all the minutes that Tibbs plays them, they're able to, to get stuff done. And the bench is able to just, you know, more or less just kill time while the other, while, while the other people rest for however long they need, Julius Randle. A few minutes a game of rest. Everyone else gets their their twelve or so. Yeah, and I think like just like Greg alluded to, right now I think the team just fits together very well. Um, I mean, I think having the Randall Brunson Barrett trio and then Mitchell Robinson is a very good you know role player in that, both offensively and defensively. Like on the offensive end, he's been a beast on the offensive boards. Defensively, like his ability to block and alter shots allows. 
people to to play up a little more on defense. And then Quentin Grimes, you know, they talked about it on the broadcast today. Like he didn't get a ton of shots, but he had a huge three. He got three shots total in this game, but he had a huge three with the Knicks down. I think it was six with maybe you know two three minutes to go uh, to get the lead to three. And like that is a tough thing to do to go an entire game like barely shooting and then to hit a huge clutch shot like that's that's big and so that's big for the Knicks to have him be able to do that and play defense on the other end and then you know they have all the guys they have coming in are pretty much you know um, defensive guys I'll, I'll say the one the one kind of uh, thing that that is just a weird fit has been the the Hardenstein and Sims um, duo. Uh, but you know it's worked, so I'm not gonna not gonna complain about it. And Sims seems to be doing you know, pretty well at when he needs to to pull away from the basket and de- defend. Uh, so again, I'm not gonna complain about it. But that's the like the rest of the thing seems the re- rest of the team seems very co- cohesive, and you know that is working well enough uh, right now while while Obi is out. Yeah, and it's gonna be it is gonna be interesting when Obi comes back to see what happens to the rotation. I think that the cleanest thing to do would just be to swap Obi in for Jericho Sims. It's not like Sims is getting a ton of minutes right now. Like he got nine minutes and seventeen seconds in this one. Um, in those Bulls games, he played fifteen minutes and eight minutes in the overtime game. So yeah, he's not getting like a ton of time, and you could see Obi fitting into those minutes. But Sims brings a whole different level of defense. Um, I think that his, his switch ability, it's not even just his rim protection. Like he's able to get out there on the perimeter. And I do want to talk about these Chicago games too, because I mean, even though Sims played limited minutes, he did some really impressive stuff in those. He, he switched out onto, uh, DeMar DeRozan at one point and shut him down on the perimeter. Um, uh, I think he did it another time against, it may have been Levine, uh, but another perimeter player for the bulls and he definitely shut down Caruso at one point for sure. Yeah. That was a big one too. Um, you know, maybe less impressive when you say it out loud. (laughs) No, but um, those, those balls games were especially, so the first one, we can just get into it. Um, Knicks won this one in overtime. It was one that, like I mentioned before, the fans were kind of upset. It seemed like on Knicks Twitter upset about how uh, the offense was run down the stretch of this one to Greg's point earlier. It was mostly run through Julius Randall in isolations. And I think, Kenny, I know you are like fed up with Nick's Twitter entirely. And I will say the only credence I'll give to that, to that criticism is when we were seeing Julius Randall cooking early in the game and throughout this game, um, it was, it was like a specific process that the, that the Knicks were using where they were getting a switch that they, that they liked usually like Zach Levine, sometimes Caruso, which actually that's not so much of a mismatch. Caruso is very good, very stout defensively. Um, but a lot of times they were getting Zach Levine's man uh, to, to, to be in pick and roll with Julius Randall getting that switch and then having Randall go to work from like the nail or from an elbow, you know, like not so far from the basket. And it seemed like, um, Kenny, I know you said like teams always go to their best players in isolation, I, whether you said that in a tweet or a text, I'm not sure. And that's true. But like you look at how Julius Randall was being successful earlier, it was from a very specific spot on the floor against certain matchups. And I feel like the Knicks did go away from what was working and and kind of fell into this, you know, kind of easier just iso ball clear out, and and that that's not really Randall's game right now. Um, and so I, I do see why there was some criticism there, but you know, overall, we're we're kind of picking nits. I think there were huge issues earlier in the season, and now we're kind of getting down to the nitty gritty, um, and that's a good sign. Yeah, and I'll, I'll agree that we're we're picking nits because 
that was a fine shot. Like he got a good look and he just missed it badly. And if you want to blame Julius Randle for that, that's fine. But I don't, you know, I'm not one to blame Tibbs because like that was a fine look. The player missed it badly. And like that's a, that's a shot that Julius Randle, maybe not as much this season, but like previously that was a shot that he was making a lot. That baseline semi fadeaway. So like I, again, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame Tibbs uh, on that. Yeah, I think you know. Again, if you get the switch, get him on the to the elbow, get him to his spots because that that hasn't been his spot for a little while now. You're right. Two years ago, that really was that he's made the most shots from that spot in the entire league two years ago, and for whatever reason, that just hasn't been been a productive area for him recently. Um, and I, and if I recall correctly, like we saw Julius Randle wave away at least one screen on that final play. I think I want to think say that Brunson wanted to come up and set a screen for him or something. And someone, Randall, yeah. someone, someone said that I, I watched it. I, I didn't see anyone coming up to set a screen. I saw um, Grimes went across to clear out that side of the floor. And then Mitch, Mitchell Robinson did the same. So like, maybe it was ran across. It might've looked like they were going, I didn't, I don't think they were actually going to set a screen, but someone made that claim. I think it was, it may have been earlier in the game because I definitely saw Randall wave off multiple screens, but I think that was earlier in, I don't, maybe you're right. Maybe it wasn't that final possession. Um, I think it was in crunch time though, but either way, um, the Knicks got this win. There were multiple, I mean, Randall ended up finishing with 31 points, 13 boards, seven assists to, to six turnovers, which isn't, which isn't great, but he got to the free throw line 15 times. He was 12 of 15 from the free throw line. So that kind of helped his efficiency on a night where he didn't really have it going so much from the field. He was eight of 19 from the field. Um, but, but man, if you get to the free throw line like that, like it's going to cover up a lot of your, a lot of your mistakes or blemishes. Um, Jalen Brunson finished the game with an efficient 30. He was 11 of 21 from the field, hit all five of his free throws. He was uh, finished with seven assists to just two turnovers. So it was a, it was a strong, solid game from Brunson. Um, Quentin Grimes really found his stroke in this one. He was four of seven from three. And that was a, a welcome sight for Knicks fans because he has not been hitting his three ball so much lately. But really all the starters who, who took threes. I mean, Randall was three of seven, Brunson three of six. Grimes, I just mentioned four of seven and Barrett also four of seven from three. So, so both those last two guys who've been kind of struggling from behind the arc um, really found it in that Chicago game. Yeah, and Grimes hit two uh, clutch threes. He hit, he hit the one that, uh, you know, put the Knicks up some out. And then in overtime, he hit the one that bounced off the front of the rim and then went up and bounced in. And that one, I was yelling uh, to myself in my apartment that I'm going to, Got me going. That was good. It was good to see. Yeah, I think Grimes. And that it goes back to what I was saying in this this Indiana game. Like Grimes' ability to hit big shots without having to take a ton of shots. Because, like Greg said, he had two huge shot, shots on the stretch of the Bulls game. In that Bulls game, he put up eight shots total. So, like, it's not like he was launching a bunch. And again, that is a skill that the Knicks badly need as a guy who can make shots, but like doesn't need the ball in his hands at all times. Yeah, I think that could take us right on to the next Bulls game, which really wasn't all that close. The Knicks won this one 114 to 91. Uh, they really opened it up in the, the second half, uh, particularly that fourth quarter where they outscored Chicago by 11 points. Um, but even the the third quarter uh, is kind of where that where that run started. But Grimes again, um, I mean, Kenny, to your point, he only took 10 shots in this one, finished with 22 points, 
five and nine from three. Uh, he looks he looks really good. I mean, if he's hitting threes, he becomes such a complete player because we've seen him, you know, progress in other areas of his game in being able to beat out beat closeouts, put it on the floor, finish at the rim. The dude had one finish in this game that was crazy where he was like in transition and made like, and took like a shot over his head. Um, the touch he has on his layups is, is ridiculous. And I wish he could transfer that to some other guys on the team, but that's neither here nor there. Um, no, it's just like, he, he's really an impressive player. He makes plays for his teammates and then everything he does on the defensive end, like he doesn't have any holes in his game. Really? I'm not saying he's a perfect player, but like, what are his weaknesses? You know? Yeah, for his for his role, I mean, exactly, he, he doesn't. So I mean, he, we're not asking him to be option one A, uh, which I mean, he was. He did that in the summer league, and he was capable of doing it against lesser competition, but capable nonetheless. But he excels in in what he's asked to do. So he's really just a perfect fit into this uh, this offense and defense. Unreal. Um, yeah, and there also mm-hmm. uh, there was a point in this game when Brunson was five for five from three, and Grimes was four for five from three. So that was a uh, off to a nice start in the first half. Yeah, Brunson was lighting it up from behind the arc here. Uh, he finished with twenty two points, six assists, three turnovers, uh, three steals, which is really nice. Um, R.J. Barrett was the the leading scorer in this game with twenty seven points. And he did that on nine of 20 shooting three of five from three again, hitting his three balls, which is so nice. And only six of 11 from the free throw line. He actually left uh, several points on the table there for him, but it's still uh, like this was a game where his three ball kind of helped out with his efficiency too. Um, Cause so from two, he was what six of 15, not, not great, but you know, you, you make up for that. Like I said, getting to the line, hitting your threes, um, Guys, we, we got to talk about it. Like, RJ has really turned it around, not just from a box score standpoint. Like, again, he, he's still making some, some mistakes, whether that's defensively or what have you, making some bad turnovers, especially in this Pacers game tonight. But overall, like, compared to where he was to start this season, he is such a more helpful player, and that's that's what we need to see. Like, he just – there were so many games early in the season where he was downright detrimental to the team. And now it's not that way at all. He's actually being a helpful player, and you know it's it's just the right trajectory. Yeah, and a lot of that you could just tell by by watching. I don't think there was there was nothing this week where you know he was just so bad that I felt like he needed to to get out of the game. I I have no bad words to say about RJ Barrett this week. I've been very critical of him over the last month a lot less because of the the efficiency and more because of just how bad he looked at basketball when when you watch, but now he he looks looks a lot better. I mean, his shooting still is is a little inconsistent. I know today, me and Kenny were watching together for a minute, and he missed two wide open threes in the first you know two or three minutes of the game. But you know he ended the game ten of nineteen, so I can't complain about those missing two threes because he just averages out in the end. I know he didn't hit a three today, but but he just looks better, like you were saying. Yeah, so he went 0 for 5 from 3 today, so 10 for 14 from 2, which is just phenomenal efficiency. 
Um, and that's something that we talked about early in the season because early in the season he was getting to the rim and he was throwing the ball nowhere near into the basket. And <laughs> recently um, he's been a lot more efficient at the rim. And today he had a couple like very nice moves. Uh, he had one um, and one where he kind of swept through and, you know, you, you were a little questionable about whether that was actually a continuation, but uh, he got the continuation bucket. And then he had, he had another one where he drove in, he kind of slowed it down. He did a spin move and like got a nice left-handed layup. And it's like, these are nice moves. Whereas previously I felt like he was just barreling his way into and just using his strength to get to the rim. Uh, and he's making them, which is a big, you know, difference maker. And I think I mentioned last week, you know, this offensive you know, output that he's getting, I think it's building his confidence and it's it's helping him on the defensive end just to have totally. that confidence. And and while, you know, I, he still makes a mistake here and there, it's just, it's so much better than it was. I think, you know, it's not, not the same level of, you know, getting blown by every single play. You know, there are one or two a game where it's, you know, you, you question, uh, you know, what he's doing out with uh, on the defensive end. But for the most part, he's been a much more solid defender. Yeah, Kenny, you read my mind. I was just going to go there with with his defense, RJ's defense in particular. Like against Demar Derozan, that's who he was tasked with uh, in the Chicago games. Like I think Grimes was on Levine mostly, and and RJ was on was on Demar, and and he did a really good job. I know I know RJ fouled out in that uh, in that first game that went to overtime, but some of those were really ticky tack fouls. I thought he did a really nice job competing because Demar is a tough cover. He gets a lot of guys in the foul trouble. He's a very crafty player and all that. But RJ, I was impressed with his defense there. And then tonight, you know, the Pacers, at least in the first half when I was kind of watching a little bit before I had to kind of tend to my child, uh, the Pacers were targeting RJ a little bit. They were trying to get the switch of RJ onto Halliburton. And I didn't see that really work for Indiana at all. They were trying to get Grimes off of Halliburton so that, so that Tyrese could make a play. And it really didn't, like it didn't really bear fruit for, for Indiana at all. Like RJ did a pretty solid job from what I saw. I'll have to go back and rewatch some of those, those possessions, but um, overall very impressed with RJ. And I mean, what else can you say? Like he played 42 minutes in this game um, against the bulls. He, even in the game, he fouled out. He played 34 minutes. The other Chicago game, he played 38 minutes. This is a dude playing a ton of minutes for a team that over the last two weeks has the number one rated defense in basketball, um, <laughs> you know, how bad can he be if you're playing, like how much of a weak link can you be if you're uh, if your team is having that much success with you on the court that much? Well, RJ been a stud. Um, I guess just going back to that second bowls game real quick. Uh, the one, the one kind of weak spot, I'd say. I mean, Emmanuel quickly finished the game one of twelve from the field, and that was a little disconcerting because um, I he's really been struggling like shooting the ball. I think that hasn't really affected his play, his defense so much. Um, but his decision making has been a little questionable at times. I know Greg. I think you mentioned he had a couple bad shots in this game, um, but. You know, I think uh, overall, like, quickly is definitely struggling to put the ball in the basket. I don't know whether you'd attribute that to, like, all the trade rumors that are going around or, or what have you, but it's it's a little unsettling because this is a guy who plays with a ton of confidence, and um, and unfortunately he just hasn't been able to to find the find the basket today. Yeah, and another part of that is 
this week, even though the Knicks were three and zero, they didn't have a a double digit scorer off the bench in any of these three games. Yeah. And you know, quickly as the guy who's pretty much basically with this nine man rotation, he's the only guy of the four subs that you could reasonably expect to score double figures, and he just hasn't really had it in the last uh, few games. So he does a lot of dumb stuff. Um, you know, two, we make jokes about two for one quickly, but it's a real thing that he does every every first and third quarter. He you know he tries to go two for one with the first shot being the worst shot he could get with you know thirty seconds left on the clock. No matter where he is, he'll shoot it with thirty seconds left. And then a lot of the times that that last shot, he you know tries to hold it until the last possible second. So. The, the second shot is bad too. So it's just, he just needs to play smarter, is what I'd say. I mean, it's, he's good when he plays free, but he just, just got to balance those two things. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I mean, yeah, th- there's not like much to, to say about quickly beyond like you have to make your shots. Cause I think he, he does a good job of like, of setting up teammates and he's a smart player overall. Um, he's a great rebounder in, in this Pacers game. He only had one rebound, which is is strange. And like, you know, makes you just wonder what's going on with him a little bit. Um, but his, his defense, his, his off ball defense in particular has been huge. Um, and like, you just see the, the guys on the bench, they are not playing a ton of minutes, but when they do like, I'm thinking specifically about Deuce McBride. He's such just a game changer with his energy that he brings. I mean, just looking at his stat lines, you would not think that this is a player who's like, you know, hugely impactful in that first Bulls game. He played 14 minutes, hit a couple threes, which was really nice, but just finished with six points. That was it. In the second Bulls game, he played again, just 13 and a half minutes, um, hit a couple shots, but I don't know. He he just really brings this attitude and this physicality to the defense and to to stopping penetration that you know you know Derek Rose certainly didn't have the guy who was kind of his predecessor off the bench in that role. Um, we really struggled with stopping opponents getting into the paint. Deuce is just he's the best at it. Yeah, and I think just kind of not not even just deuce but deuce grimes and uh iq like that trio has been phenomenal defensively and i think you know the shift to the shorter bench and and throwing um deuce into that the rotation that's when all of this started and you know i don't want to say it's all because of that but i think they their you know focus on defense has really changed the mindset of the knicks and you know i think they said something like they so they hadn't given up less than 100 points in a game uh, prior to this win streak, and I think it's happened four times in this win streak, maybe three, um, and it's just been you know, such a change. And, and like you said, I think the the energy from from Deuce is a big part of that. And Kenny, you gave him his flowers earlier, but we should probably talk a little bit more about Mitchell Robinson just because he's been that anchor. And you know, on, on the defensive end, he's been so good at, at you know defending pick and rolls, and he's been grabbing more rebounds. And then on the offensive end, like his, his offensive rebounding is just it teams have to game plan around him at this point. Like that's how he he changes the game in that way. He gets the the Knicks so many more possessions in that second bulls game. Like the Knicks were not shooting the ball well at all. 
but they finished the game with with just so many more field goal attempts than the Bulls had. It was uh seven. So the Bulls finished the game with 77 field goal attempts. The Knicks had 92. Um, and it's not like there was a huge free throw discrepancy either. In fact, I think that the no, is a pretty similar. No, the the Bulls even had fewer free throws than the Knicks did. So it's uh it was pretty crazy just how many true shooting like field goal attempts the Knicks had uh, over the Bulls in that game. And a huge part of that is Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. And I, I mentioned it before with, with Grimes, but it's the same with Mitchell Robinson that he just fits the need of the Knicks so well at the center position because Randall Brunson and Barrett are such high usage guys and Robinson, like you don't have to do anything. He will go out there, get an offensive rebound and score from himself on the offensive side. So it's just such uh, like I said, him and, and uh, Grimes are just such a nice fit in that that starting rotation. All right, guys. So I do have to ask, what do you – I mean, we don't really have a timetable for when Obi Toppin's going to come back, but I'm curious with just how much success the team is seeing right now. Like, what do you expect to happen? I think I speculated that he would just take take Jericho Sims minutes and that would be it. Um, do you guys agree that that's what would happen? Do you think that's what should happen? Um, I, I'm curious what you think it will happen when Obi returns. I think yeah, I mean, that. Yeah, I think he's got. He's got a spot in the rotation for sure. Even if it's just reclaiming his fourteen to fifteen minutes a night to to give Julius Randle a break, but he's like I said, there's the scoring off the bench has been non-existent. They need a little bit more of a, a spark. I feel like a lot of times when the, that that bench unit ends, then you're just praying that they tread water and you know don't go to make things go too badly and wait until Julius Randle or Jalen Brunson can get back into the game. So I think having a, you know, even though he's been super inconsistent offensively, having a, a guy who can score double figures on the offensive end will, would be beneficial. And, you know, the Knicks have been playing this lineup with Hartenstein and, and Jericho Sims, which just is not – aesthetically pleasing on, on offense. You have Hartenstein being trying to be the, the stretch four. I don't I know he can hit threes, but I, I don't know that I've seen him hit a three as the stretch four more just as a was the five came down in the corner and today he tried to hit uh, three from the wing and just didn't hit it. So yeah I don't really trust him as a three point shooter. Yeah and I, I think I had some false hope that Hardenstein was going to be a better uh, three-point shooter based on him hitting two, hit the t- first two that he took in the preseason, uh, and me not really watching much of him before that. Um, but I and I agree that I think uh, that Obi is going to reclaim the spot from um, from Sims. But at the same time, I think the reason that this Jericho Sims Hardenstein kind of dynamic has worked so far is because because of the shortened rotation, uh, the Knicks are are playing with whenever they have any of these guys in, they'll, they'll also have Randall Barrett or Brunson in um, the vast majority of the time. Uh, so it's not like when they were running five guys in and five guys out, and then you needed a scorer on the second unit in order to, to figure things out. So you needed a Derek Rose or an Obi top in order to, to get those points off the bench. Um, now that it's a short rotation, they have one of those guys in and th- that's going to be the person scoring in that period of time. And the, everyone else is just going to be there to, to support them in that role. So I don't think that you need Obi's scoring, um, but I do think that, you know, just he's, 
he's earned his spot in the rotation. And uh, while while I've loved what I've seen from Sims, I just don't see him, you know, overtaking those minutes from Obi. Yeah, so I pulled up the stats here on cleaning the glass to see how the Sims Hartenstein minutes are actually doing. And so they've played 64 possessions together, and they're outscoring te- the Knicks are outscoring teams by 19 points by 100 possessions per 100 possessions in those minutes. That's uh, that differential would rank the 99th percentile league wide. Um, those those minutes, th- those points are uh, are coming from the defensive end. They're only allowing. 93 and a half points per 100 possessions, which is in the 100th percentile. Uh, the offense has been below average, uh, just like the eye test would suggest, but the defense has been dominant with Sims and Hartenstein. And I think it's because, you know, Sims can defend opposing fours. He is quick enough to do that. But like that is some elite rim protection. I clipped a play from this Pacers game where both Hartenstein and Sims both went up to contest a layup. And whoever the, the poor Pacers player was just had no chance. I think it ended up being a Sims block, but there were just so many limbs and arms. And so I do question whether, you know, the, the, the identity of this team, the reason why they've been winning games has been the defensive end. And so Obi, you know, for as much as he does bring on the offensive side, like he's not, he has not been a good defensive player this year, especially towards the end uh, before he got hurt. He was, he was looking like he was regressing on the defensive end. And so I just wonder how much that might upset this kind of, you know, defensive identity that we've set for ourselves and during this win streak. Yeah. And you know, that, that is, that is really the question because like, like we talked about earlier, Sims has been, has been great defensively. And, and like you just mentioned, um, even out defending fours. So like he is capable of playing that. I don't, I still don't love him playing with Hartenstein. And I still just don't see them giving up on Obi. So, and Sims is the most obvious you know, possibility for for someone to to drop out of that lineup. But you know, is there an outside shot that he takes Hartenstein's minutes? Like, I don't know. I I don't see it. But like, I, I see that as more viable than him than Obi just being out of the rotation. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Obi will be in the rotation. It's just something to, to watch. We don't even know when it's going to happen. I don't. I don't think we've seen any reporting on when his return will be. Um, I think everything I have seen has said it's going to be a while, and that's that's concerning in itself. So hopefully, you know, I want him to come back. It's just um, I, I'm curious how it will uh, how it will play out when he does return. But until then, you know, this this team has been very good. It's not like you know they they've had some really nice wins. Um, it's really hard to beat teams back to back, especially on the road. I think that Wally had, it was either Wally or Alan Hahn had a stat that like, since te- since like the NBA has kind of focused on, on teams playing back to backs, um, against the same team, like, you know, I think that the, a team gets swept like 19% of the time. Like it's, it's just, it's very rare for a team to lose two games in a row like that or to win two games in a row conversely. So the fact they're able to go to Chicago and win both those is impressive, even though the bulls have been struggling and haven't been that good, still really nice job from the Knicks. So um, guys, I think, you know, we could probably start to look ahead at this point. Is there anything else you want to talk about or um, discuss before we do? Uh, One quick thing. One quick thing from that Bulls game we didn't really mention. Kenny alluded to it earlier, but Derrick Rose returned to Chicago was a pretty special. You know, he he's been out of the rotation, but the Knicks were fortunate enough to get a a big enough lead that Tibbs would wanted to ask Derrick Rose if he wanted to play a few minutes. 
uh, came in with about three minutes left, got a standing ovation and some MVP chance, and he hit his first three when he got in there. So crowd erupted. And then, yeah. I mean, it looked like the uh, the actual players on the Bulls don't really like each other. So I'm not sure watching that team is, is very fun. So I wasn't sure it was a, a high point for the, for the fans. Yeah, you got a got a nice cheer there, and I, I was going to bring up another thing. I thought Greg was about to bring it up, but uh, um, I was going to give a special shout out to Jalen Brunson for what he did to uh, Caruso in that uh, first Bulls game. Uh, in overtime, he just he he took him into the corner, crossed him over, and Caruso went one way, slid down on the ground, and Jalen Brunson just hit the three, and that was that was that that was the game. So shout out to Jalen Brunson for doing that and kind of everything that he did in I guess overtime of this that game and down the stretch of of the that game and the Pacers game. Didn't give him enough love today, but you know, he did he he definitely earned it. He's just so boring because he's so consistent. Yeah. I mean we probably should have even harped on it more in that first overtime win. Like Brunson was the reason that the Knicks won that game in overtime. He he took over down the stretch and was that setting presence just as he was against the Pacers tonight. So, you know, different game, same story from Brunson. The dude's I, I guess one one storyline we haven't talked about is like which, if we had to pick one, we actually talked about it a little bit last week is which player would has a better case to be an all star? Is it Brunson or, or Randall? It's pretty close at this point, I think. Like Randall had a really hot stretch. Before that hot stretch, he was he was decidedly the worst player. Um, and Brunson's kind of just been more consistent. He's had some off games here and there, but overall, he's. Brunson, I think, has been like the steadier presence, but Randall's been pretty sensational in moments too. So uh, it, it'll be, I'm curious to see if the Knicks are A, able to get an all star this year and B, kind of who who that might be, or if they could even get two. I mean, that might be crazy talk, but, you know, we're, worth discussing. It's podcast fodder. Yeah. There's, and we did this before the season, but there's just so many, you know, all star caliber players in the East right now. And then, you know, we had a separate discussion of all of the good point guards uh, in the NBA and many of them are in the East. I know uh, some of the Knicks broadcasts, I think it was uh, Wally was just taking shots at Halliburton and trying to, to claim the all-star not, not for Brunson above Halliburton, but there's a lot of good players. So it's, it's tough to say. And I, I'd say as far as the Brunson versus uh, Randall, I think when we had that conversation last week, uh, Randall was in the midst of a you know three or four game, just, unconscious streak and Brunson was having his first cold streak of the season, maybe two or three games. But I mean, I think Brunson has gotten back to stellar form and the, the way that he's performed down the stretch of some of these games. I just, I think he has, has the nod for me and my very biased opinion over Randall at this time. All right, yeah. guys, I think we could probably look into uh, to, to the upcoming games here. Um, the Knicks play four games in the coming week. They've got the, Warriors on Tuesday, then second night of a back-to-back. There, these are both home games at the, uh, versus Golden State. Then home against the Toronto Raptors on Wednesday. Then we've got a home game against the Chicago Bulls. We'll play them for the third time in a week. Um, and then Sunday, Christmas Day, it's uh, Knicks at home against the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I should mention that that Steph Curry will not be with the Warriors for that Tuesday game. Um, so. I mean, look, I think that we we predicted three and0 last week, and I think I think we have a policy at this restaurant. 
I I have a policy. You guys don't have to go along with my policy if you don't want to. You have you have enough people to outvote me. I mean, look, if the Knicks were to win all four of these games, that would be an 11 game win streak, right? And would that be the longest win streak like it I don't know, be- certainly the what did we say was the the longest of the Thibodeau era? 9. 9 yes. times. I mean, Let's keep riding this high, guys. I don't know, Greg. You you with that? You want to you want to? Yeah, that sounds wanna... good to me. I mean, I see the the first three. You know, no Steph. Raptors have been struggling, and bad, yeah. the Bulls all hate each other. That's a. <laughs> uh, I mean, those are all very winnable. And those are all at home. It's not like the Knicks have been killing it at home. They've actually been, I think, very good on the road. One of the better road teams in the league this year, if I'm not mistaken. But, I mean, look. Yeah, I mean, I think even if we didn't have this policy, we'd we'd be predicting wins for those first three. So it's really, you know, the policy is only affecting one one game here, and you know, it's Christmas, so we might as well just pick the Knicks to win that one too. It's a Christmas miracle. A Christmas miracle. I love it. All right, four zero. Um, good stuff, guys. Well, let's get to uh, America's favorite sub podcast. What else is on? Uh, Greg, what else is on for you? What have you been watching? So, um, as you know, the series White Lotus ended last week. So I watched that. It was fine. I, I loved it. I thought it was really good. You just thought it was okay? Yeah, I mean, I'm just not really a a White Lotus guy, I don't think. I don't, it's, just, it's just a lot of buildup for not a lot of payoff in, in my, my mind. You think characters are going to going to change but i think the point is that they're not going to change as, as we've we've seen in our in our experience and then or they change for the worse yeah in, exactly in aubrey right. plazas and i mean there's no spoiler there <laughs> spoilers i haven't seen this show you know we're we're helping you then uh, in my opinion i i really enjoyed it um I thought it was a good fitting ending, but no, there there would be a lot of spoiler talk if we were to get into the details there. Um, yeah. Greg, anything else beyond White Lotus? I saw Avatar 2 yesterday. Ooh. It's a visual Way experience. Way of water. It's, hour, it's eight hours long. Uh, it's How actually... Long? It's, it's, <laughs> including previews, it was three and a half hours long, which is a long time to be in a movie theater. You know, I got to the point where I just started looking at my phone, but it was a good visual experience. There's there's a lot of good stuff in there. You know, were you a big fan see- of the first Avatar? Like, did you go back and revisit that to to brush up for this one? So, I mean, I saw the first Avatar a bunch of times. I didn't see it in theaters. I heard that it's a whole different experience, but it was a whole different experience. Three D movies are always crazy. I hadn't seen one since Alice in Wonderland. You saw it in three D. Yeah, 3D IMAX. The Johnny Depp one? Yeah. Huh. Cool. Kenny, what else? <laughs> uh, I have been getting a little bit into the Christmas spirit this last week. I've watched a couple of Christmas movies. Um, I watched A Christmas Story, the first the first Christmas Story, so to set it up so I can watch the second Christmas Story, which I haven't done yet. Um, I watched Noel. Have you guys seen this? Have you heard about this? I think no. it's a, a year or two old. It's uh, Anna Kendrick. Um, and I enjoyed it. 
it's it's a Christmas movie, so you know it's not you know the the greatest storyline I've ever seen. But Anna Kendrick, I think, is phenomenal in her role in that uh, in that movie. Um, so if you haven't seen it, it's it's entertaining for me. I thought you were uh, talking about our Knicks predictions, Noels. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, it's, it's getting late. Um, and then, so those are those two full movies that I watched, and then I started watching uh, Eight Bit Christmas on on HBO Max, and then the Knicks game started. So Greg Greg actually got here while I was watching that, and then the Knicks game started, so we switched over to that. So that that will be on my next uh, my next one. It's Neil Patrick Harris. I, I haven't gotten very far in, but it seems like a Neil Patrick Harris kind of uh, not quite Princess Bride, but he's basically just telling the story to his daughter of his Christmas uh, as a child. Like How I Met Your Mother a little? Yeah, a little How I, how I Met Your mother Just went back to that uh, well. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris, perfect. He's, he's got a genre, and he, he understands that. Yeah. Um, so what about you, Tom? What are you, what are you watching over there? Rose and I started the show. So after White Lotus, we were looking for something new. Um, and so we started watching Search Party. Have you guys seen this show? I saw Search Party. You did? Yeah, with the girl from uh, Arrested Development. Maybe. Funke. No, it's definitely her. (laughs) That's why I said Funke was to stop you from doing that. (laughs) Some people are unstoppable. (laughs) Um, Well, so, yeah, two two episodes in, uh, two episodes in, I'll say, like, Rose and I were kind of like, this isn't that great. Um, But then I, you know, we always do this thing where we, like, compare shows early on like the characters of those shows to the characters of another show that we just watched like eight seasons of where it's like yeah obviously by season eight of new girl you're gonna love all these characters way more than characters you just met for the first time like you you shouldn't be kind of comparing (laughs) all the time you've spent with schmidt to like these new characters from from episode one of the pilot of search party but i do that anyway um yeah Another guy in Search Party is the dude from uh, I Think You Should Leave who did not want to split the bill and he hates this game. Yeah. Uh, and he was also in, the after, also in the after party. Um, so no, we're, we're now four episodes in. We're glad we stuck with it because it's it's been good so far. It's been, it's been pretty fun. Greg, did you like it? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. So one thing I will say, if you choose to continue on in your journey, is that every single season... Is just a completely different television show. Really? Which is pretty pretty impressive thing to do. There's all I mean like a different you know, genre? At, at points, yeah. Oh. Yes, def, yes. <laughs> I I mean so far. So I like, like the after party, yeah. I had fun. All right. Well, I, I had fun with this podcast, guys. Um, we can probably wrap it up there. Uh, if you're still listening, we appreciate you. Definitely go to your podcast apps, like, subscribe, review, leave comments, do all the things. Follow us on Twitter at Talking Nicks. Follow us on Instagram at Talking Nicks. Follow us on YouTube. I didn't talk about it at the top, but we've gotten some new subscribers there. That's nice. Uh, we've been putting some some video breakdowns and stuff like that on there, as well as these episode uh, full episodes of this. Um, and yeah, we might be getting a mastodon. Is that is that right, Kenny? Uh, I looked into it. I, I I haven't figured out how to do it yet. But yeah, we'll get on Mastodon just if for kids. If we do, we can't talk about it on Twitter, though. We don't want to yes. get in there. So it's verboten. 
All right, guys. Well, we appreciate everyone for listening, and we will catch you next time on Talking Knicks. Until then, hey, let's go, Knicks. Knicks take.